CBS Sports Radio. It is yours truly, Ryan Hickey. A very happy Saturday to you. A very happy weekend to you. And a big thank you. Thank you for making us a part of your Saturday right here on CBS Sports Radio. I know you got a lot of places, a lot of places to go, a lot of people to see, a lot of things to listen and watch and talk. So we appreciate you taking a few minutes here to join us and picking us at CBS Sports Radio to spend your time with. Hopefully, we'll make your time worth it and you'll come away eh, not hating the show. That's what we'll go for. We're not going to set a high bar. Don't hate the show. Keep expectations low and hopefully surpass them. Speaking of keeping expectations low, woof. I try to keep expectations low. And this year is Hickey's Pickies edition after just totally, totally flaming out last year. Under 500, brutal year. Got beat most weeks by the callers. It was rough. So I try to bounce back this year and have a better year. And you know what? Week one, Hickey's Pickies, three and two. Okay. Off to a good start. Maybe put last year's bad year behind us and move forward here with some positive momentum. And just when the wheels got turning, just when things got going in a positive direction, screech. Not even actually things come to a screeching halt through the trains off the rails. We are right now rolling down the mountain. One and four last week. Congrats to Chris and Maryland, who not only made me look silly going three and two, with his picks last week, right now through two weeks, Chris in Maryland is our Hickey's Pickies leader at three and two, followed by Aaron in Colorado Springs at two and three. So, so we're early on, but the leaderboard is out there. First place is still attainable, and a big five and zero record possibly out there for anyone to grab and really take a stranglehold on first place. Last year, Josh in Harrisburg. One with a perfect 5-0 and record. You got 5-0 and in you? Let's find out. It's time for this week's edition of Hickey's Pickies. Time for Hickey's Pickies. Pick me, pick me. The only segment where you, the caller, compete against the rest of the country. Ladies and gentlemen, the pick is in. Get the picks right, and you hold national bragging rights. That's right. Who do you think you are? I am. If you're wrong, you so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. It's time for Hickey's Pickies, only on CBS Sports Radio. So through two weeks, your boy four and six on the season. Week three, we go to a city that's been in the news a lot this week and in the news for a lot of negative reasons. Quarterback calling out the coaching staff. Defensive coordinator resigning out of nowhere. Hell, it got so bad you have now lawnmower equipment getting stolen from the team stadium. That's right. We're talking about the Windy City. We go out to Chicago. John is calling from Chicago. What's up, John? Hickey, you're going down this week. Wow. I like the confidence. Coming out hot. Coming out hot. The good news for you, John, is even if you go 0-5 this week, it's still a better week than your Bears had. You know, fair enough. And uh, I'm not a Bears fan, though. I'll put it out there. I'm oh. not a Bears fan. So, okay. But, I'll take it um, back then. I, I can't claim that. And, yeah, ne- never was, never will be. Um, but I have fun laughing at them and laughing at all my friends who are. I was just going to say that being in a city that this week is probably a lot more joyful than, uh, than most times. So soak it up. Yeah, that's been a hell of a week for sure. So at least you have some bragging rights over your friends. But all right. 
How Hickey's Pickies works, in case you are a first-time listener, is this. We got five games. Five of the biggest games of the weekend between college and NFL. It's a very heavy college football slate this weekend since we got a tremendous college football weekend. And eh, not great NFL weekend. Five games with the spreads. Obviously, we record our record. All right, John. You're ready to roll here. Let's do it, brother. Florida State, fourth in the country, visiting Clemson. The Seminoles, two-point road favorites. Who are you going with here this weekend? And just real quick, we check in. Are we, are we picking with the spread? With the spread, yes, sir. So two-point. If you take Florida State, they got to win by yeah, more good. than two. I know, I know you, got, you got Clemson at home. We're going Florida State. You know what, John? Smart man. Coming off a one and four week, go the opposite. Fade me. You are already a fast learner here. You're going Florida State. I will take the Tigers. I do think an upset brewing here. I don't like the fact that a lot of people are overlooking Dabo Sweeney, kind of riding him off already. Clemson, back on the national stage with a nice early win. All right. Out west we go, John. Number 19, Colorado, taking on number 10, Oregon, in Eugene, Oregon. The Ducks. 21 point favorites. I'll go first here. I'll lay the 21. I think Oregon wins and they do cover the three touchdown spread. I think reality kind of smacks Colorado in the face this week. Just Oregon too physical, too dominant up front. They they control this game. No Travis Hunter too is a big blow for the Buffs. I think Oregon gets the win here. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll counter you. I will go with Colorado. Um, I, I don't think I'd, I'd, lay, I'd bet on them to win outright, but I'll take the 21 points. I think that, uh, you know, it's going to be the most watched game, you know, potentially of the week just because of Colorado and everything around them. And I think that gets in the Oregon guys' heads a little bit early. And, uh, you know, but they pull away in the second half, maybe by two touchdowns. I'll, I'll take the 21 points in Colorado. All right. All right. Three touchdowns spread a big one. The biggest so far that we are talking about of these five games. We got two more college games here. And SEC one, how about this? The doubts are in for Alabama. They return home after, I mean, honestly, they lost a Texas at home two weeks ago. I'd even consider last week's win over USF even more depressing and more concerning than their loss against the Longhorns two weeks ago. They got their quarterback, Jalen Milrow, back. Welcome a familiar foe in Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Crimson Tide at home, six and a half point favorites. Who are going with here, John? If it was seven and a half, I'd go Ole Miss. The fact that it's six and a half, we're still talking about Bama. People who are Bama haters have been just couldn't wait for a season like this to start like this <laughs> to just to just be on them that that they're done, that they're in the past, that Saban's done, that Bama's best. This is still Bama, and until they have a three-loss season and they're not, you know, and they're not competing for playoff. I mean, I'm, I'm rolling, I'm rolling tight on this one. I will go Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. I just at this point, I just think Bama is who they are. This is not a very good team this year for Nick Saban Sanders, especially. This is, I mean, probably the worst team he's had in 15, almost 20 years. I do think Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin go into town, going to Tuscaloosa, second time in two weeks, pull off a home upset uh, and send the home team home. Sad home. That's a lot of homes in one sentence there. Sheesh! Holy cow! All right, final college football game here. Maybe the biggest one on the slate. Number six, Ohio State. Number nine, Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. The Buckeyes, three-point road favorites here. Who are we going with, John? There's a lot of Irish fans up here in the Chicago suburbs, and uh, oh, I'm sure. And I and I, you know, I can't wait to, uh, to 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 see them cuss after this one. I'm going <laughs> Ohio State. I am with you. I am with you. A lot of people talk about Ohio State's quarterback Kyle McCord. Kenny coming through. My question is, what about Notre Dame's skill players? 
receivers, can they win one-on-one -on -one battles yeah. even though you have the quarterback advantage? I don't think so. And so that's a matchup where I think does that does favor Ohio State here. I think close game, like 24-20, but Ohio State does win, does cover on the road here and kind of get back to prominence here. And I'm with you. I think a lot of Irish fans will be cursing what is a very winnable game at home. All right. Not a lot of great NFL games this week, so we're going to kind of go with a, with an interesting one here, John. Bills and Commanders. Commanders off to a 2-0 start. Bills bounced back last week after what was an embarrassing week one Monday Night Football loss to the Jets. Bills on the road, six-point favorites. Buffalo or Washington here? Yeah, it's a tricky one. You can definitely see you can definitely see Washington covering in this one. Uh, you know, especially if their defense plays up to you know how they have. And, and honestly, Howell hasn't played that bad. He's been he's been a decent-looking quarterback and game manager so far, and seems like he's been getting more comfortable as the weeks have gone on. But. Uh, but I think Buffalo, you know, they're, they're digging deep. They got to make a statement. Diggs is going to have a couple splash plays, and it's going to it's going to cover the spread. I'll go Buffalo. I'm going to go Commanders. Maybe I'm a fool here drinking the Cooley, but you mentioned before Sam Howells looked good. I like the way Eric Bieniemy is running the offense. They have a lot of talent all throughout the team, especially offensively. I think at home, I think Washington does make a nice early season statement here, as they are not a team to be messed with, and they are absolutely in the playoff mix in the NFC. I'll go Commanders at home getting six points. I do think they win this game outright, but I'll still at home just to be safe, take a, almost a touchdown uh, touchdown given their way. All right. So we agree on Ohio State beating and covering uh, against Notre Dame minus three. We agree, and that's it. We disagree on the other four. You're taking Bama over Ole Miss. You're taking the Bills to beat the Commanders. You're taking Colorado to cover against Oregon. And Florida State minus two, taken on Clemson. John, you're after staring. I went one and four last week, smart man, four to the five picks, disagree. Yeah, you're staring at another one and four week, my man. <laughs> and uh, but I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun, and I'll throw one one bonus, just another uh, another college game because you said it's a great a great college slate this week. The one that I don't know if uh, has been talked about yet, uh, but uh, Oregon State versus uh, Washington State. I like, I like the dogs at home. I like Washington State to win that one outright. Ooh, okay. I like that one. Cam Ward, nice win over Wisconsin two weeks ago. I'm going to go Beavers in that game. I do think that toughness uh, defensively and on, uh, on the offensive line as well. It's kind of some trench warfare, a little throwback here uh, on the Palouse. Does win that one. I like that, though. There's so many, so many good games. John, best of luck. Seems like I need it more than you do. Appreciate you calling in, man. And appreciate you participating. And week three of Hickey's Pickies. It was a oof. it was a rough one. It was a rough one, to say the least, last week. All right. Speaking of college football, keeping that theme going here at 855-212-4227. We started off the show talking about this. In a loaded slate, we have six games featuring ranked opponents going off against each other here. Which team needs a win the most? Which team is most desperate for a win on Saturday? I think it's Florida State. I think it's Florida State because they're the only team playing this weekend that does not really have a margin for error. Their schedule going forward does not really have any sort of big statement game where they can make up if they do lose to Clemson on Saturday. Whereas you look at if Ohio State, let's say, loses to Notre Dame, where they still have Penn State and Michigan on their schedule, they win both of those games. They're back in the driver's seat of making their season, you know, going forward. Oregon. If they lose, let's say, to Colorado and Dion pulls a massive upset, is Oregon season over? No. 
They still, you know, have Oregon State, a top 20 team. They still have USC, a top team. They still have Washington, a top 10 team. They have plenty of, of chances still to make up for going forward here to win games that matter. Ole Miss, if they lose to Alabama, they could still run the table in the SEC and still have a chance to play for the SEC title game. And without Georgia's looking, maybe beat Georgia and go make a run to the college football playoff. Every team playing this weekend, I still think has a margin for error where if they lose this weekend, their season's not over. Florida State's season's, uh, season's not over if they lose to Clemson, but their ability to get in the college football playoff is severely hurt. They need a lot of help. They need help more than any other team that would lose on Saturday. That's why, for me, when you look at their schedule, there's not any real statement game left. And you look at LSU, if they lose one more one more game in LSU, now we're talking about a late teens, early 20s sort of team. That week one loss is going to, or week one win, excuse me, over the Tigers is going to look less and less impressive. Which is why, if I'm Florida State, I think the best and easiest way to get into the college football playoff is simple. Be 13-0. And win the ACC and you're in. 12-1, and one, even if you are a 12-1 ACC champ, I think it does get hairy compared to the other teams uh, right now playing this weekend. So for me, of all the teams in this massive loaded weekend, I think no team needs a win more than the Florida State Seminoles. Sean, calling from Southern Cal. What's up, Sean? Hey, how you doing? Good, buddy. What's on your mind? Okay, well, listen, um, okay, I just want to say this. First of all, I want to say that last week, Florida State only beating Boston College by two. I thought Florida State should have dropped like four or five spots. Uh, I really do, yeah. They, and you're not wrong. I mean, the only, their only benefit, Sean, don't mean to cut you off yeah. there, their only benefit is that everyone else played close games. Like literally everyone else in the top really eight had close calls. So it's like you, there's just too many teams to drop and not enough to move up. That's the only reason why they stayed where they are. Yeah, I was just thinking what you're saying is somewhat true, but, I mean, really, I thought the only team that really was kind of close was the Georgia game against South Carolina. Well, you had uh, Texas at home against Wyoming. It was 10-10 the fourth quarter. Which, which one? I'm Texas, sorry, which one? who was right, below, like, right oh, behind Texas, yeah, Like There was a true, lot of true. games where yeah. even if they pulled away late, it was closer than it should have been for a lot of these teams last week. It was just it was a weird week. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let me ask you this. Do you think um, – I don't know if you said this already. I've been listening to you about half an hour. Do you think Oregon's going to win or Colorado's going to win? Oregon. And covers the 21 points. I do. I think that they are just too physical right now. Uh, Sean, I appreciate the call, buddy. I think they're just too physical. And you look right now, Colorado, for all the praise they've gotten, they've been tremendous. You look at this matchup specifically. Oregon runs the ball really well. With Bucky Irving, their running back, and with Bo Nix, their quarterback. Colorado, out of 131 teams is 119th in rush defense, 127th in rush offense, meaning they can't establish a run, get things going offensively, or stop the run. I think Cal, uh, excuse me, I think Oregon's offense is going to be on the field a lot, a lot on Saturday. That's a problem if you can't get off the field. Your defense is going to get exhausted. One of the issues for Colorado, it's not starting talent. Like we have seen through three games, and this is where I definitely overlook Colorado's roster, and I've been wrong. They have, for the starting 22, right, in offense and defense, they have the talent to compete without a doubt. Now, we've seen that. Shador Sanders is legit. Travis Hunter is one of the best overall players in college football. They got good running backs, good receivers. Their issue is depth. And now that depth is going to get tested right away with the loss of Travis Hunter. Unfortunately, him not being able to play in this game, 
That's a big reason why I think Oregon's going to cover. But physicality-wise, this is the biggest offensive line, the biggest defensive line, the most physical team, and a team that's going to run the ball down their throat the most. I don't think this is a good matchup for Colorado whatsoever. I think they will get um, they will get rolled here in Eugene. Quickly go to Dan in Michigan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Ryan. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it, man. What's on your mind? Well, I got to disagree with you on that Colorado uh, Oregon game. Oh, really? Why? Because uh, twenty-one points is a lot, and if they have the same referee and crew that refereed Ohio State and uh, Georgia, give me Colorado straight up. What do you mean I'll that Colorado that... covers with this, the twenty-one points? What do you mean the same referees that refereed Georgia and Ohio State last year in uh, the one of the semis right. games? Because if you if you can't see everything was fixed, you're blind, deaf, and dumb. Straight up, blind, deaf, and dumb. Because what I see, and I hate Ohio State. I hate Ohio State. But I'm going to tell you, refereeing does matter. Why? Okay. Let's just play the game here, Dan. The fix was in for for Georgia, you're saying? No, the fix is in for the Deep South. They've been fighting the Civil War for 160-plus years. If you've got Deep South officials refereeing a game, you're screwed if you're from the North. I'm just saying that straight up. Holy cow. So you... So... If the referees are from the South, they're going to favor teams from the SEC and from the ACC. Because this is a North versus South thing. Uh, and you're, and the, you're convinced and on the that. And the Big 12. And the Big 12. And the Big 12. Okay. What, what about West 12. Virginia? Because they're pretty north uh, of the Mason-Dixon line. No. West, West Virginia is part of the Deep South. West sorry, Virginia. Who Who yeah. borders Pennsylvania. In the, in the United States geography, West Virginia yeah. is now part of the Deep South. I call them Deep South. Straight up. All right, let's do a geography lesson here, Dan. Who, where Where does the line between the North and the South? I'm right now in New York City. Am I in the Deep South? No, you're in the North. Oh, I'm in the North. Okay. Pennsylvania. North or South? Uh, that's borderline. Borderline. Pennsylvania's borderline. Okay. Pennsylvania's borderline as far as I'm concerned. What about Ohio? Is Ohio deep south? Uh, depending upon which coach you have. <laughs> I'm just going to say that depending upon which coach you have from the deep south. So Urban Meyer, because I'm guessing he was at Florida, does he count then for Ohio State being part of the deep south? Yes. Okay. What about, I get, what about Ryan Day, who coached under Urban Meyer? Ryan Day, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm taking Notre Dame right straight up in this game. Straight up. Is Notre Dame if the deep south? deep south? If they have deep south officials, I'm telling you right now, Notre Dame is winning that game. Notre Dame is more north than Columbus, Ohio. Why would the deep south officials favor a more northern They're team? They're part of the ACC. I'm just going to rest my case right there. They're part of the ACC. They've aligned themselves the ACC. Anyone what about, that's aligned himself? What oh. about this, Dan? Next year, when Stanford goes to the ACC, is Stanford now part of the Deep South? 
Yep. Okay, and then Cal too. Yep. Utah going to the Big Twelve, Deep South. Yep. Deep South. What if Michigan? Are you a Michigan fan, Dan? I'm a huge Michigan fan. What if they went and to Michigan's the ACC? A, Michigan's in deep trouble against Rutgers. I'm telling you right now. Deep, deep South, because Rutgers is well. Rutgers may no, have you know the Michigan the, is in deep trouble against Rutgers because Rutgers is a good team. Tony Soprano Michigan, may rise Michigan, from the dead Michigan, and have Michigan the fix in for afraid. Rutgers tomorrow. Are you worried about Michigan that? Michigan should be very afraid tomorrow. Are you worried about Tony Soprano fix you know getting in the refs' year? I would be. You know, Tony, to, you know Tony's a big you, Rutgers supporter, right? What are you talking about Tony Soprano for? I don't even know Tony Soprano. You don't know Tony? Did you watch The Sopranos? No, never oh, did. Oh, okay. Well, Tony Soprano was the, the head mobster in, in the famous HBO show The Sopranos, and he's also a big Rutgers fan. So even though he oh. died, I would be afraid, if I was you, Dan, of him coming back to life and, you know, shaking down the officials to make sure that Rutgers beats Michigan tomorrow. I'll be worried about that. Uh, no, I'm worried about because Rutgers is a really good team. Oh. I'm just telling okay. you straight up, Rutgers is a very good team. You think they're better than the number two team in the country? Play, they play Michigan tough. Look, just go back the last four years. Rutgers has played Michigan tougher than anyone else. Tougher than Ohio State? Has Rutgers, say, played, the, has Rutgers played Michigan look, tougher look than at Ohio the score State has? Of the games between Michigan and Rutgers. Look at the score of the games. Okay, they I had the box score of last Ohio year. State the last two Do you years. know the score last year, Michigan Rutgers? Do you know what the score was? Uh, not off the top of my head. Unless Google's lying to me, which Google could be part of the Deep South, and maybe they're trying to fix this for you. So let's just keep an eye out for that. According to Google, they said last year Rutgers lost to Michigan 52 to 7. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 52-17. Okay. I'm not arguing that. Uh, all I know is I've only been at two games at U of M Stadium, the big house. Mm-hmm. And one of them was with Tom Brady. Wow. Go when they back. played Rice. And the second one was against Rutgers two years ago. Do you th- Did Michigan win that game against Rice? Yes. Interesting. And I mean, Rice is from the South. The game at halftime. Benson was in after half. I wonder and why the rest Brady, didn't fix that game. Brady is the only quarterback I've ever seen at Michigan that beat the deep South officials ever. I was just going to say, because Rice is from the South, so you would think the refs, refs in that game that you were there, you probably witnessed it yourself. The fix was probably in. Phantom holds, random no, false no, starts, no. missed holdings if it hurt Rice. Pretty I'm going to tell you right now, Drew Hansen was backing up Tom Brady when they played Rice. And Brady was out at halftime because they were Michigan was just slaughtering Rice. And Hansen, I never seen a quarterback with an arm like Hansen. Ever. But well, he didn't have the brains that Brady did. Dan Brady was the smartest quarterback Dan, I've ever seen, and he beat the officials. I gotta, you know what? I gotta thank you. You you educated myself and you educated the audience here on CBS Sports Radio tremendously. We now learned a brand new geography. Thank you for the call, Dan. We learned geography lessons that now West Virginia is in the Deep South. We have learned that the referees are still holding grudges from. I am mean, trying to do quick math. 150 years ago, 
in the Civil War. So, folks, if you are a fan of Ohio State, sorry, you're screwed this weekend. If you're a fan of a team that is playing below, I guess, Pennsylvania, even though laterally I am, you know, on the same axis. Well, what are you seeing? X, Y, X axis, right? That's one that goes across. I'm on the same X axis, the the latitude, if you will, to, I guess, put in proper terms as Pennsylvania and Ohio that are in the deep south borderline. If you are a fan of a team right now that's playing anyone, basically any team south of Pennsylvania, my apologies, the fix is in, you're screwed. That is why you listen, Hank and I, right here on CBS Sports Radio, for geography lessons and deep fixes. Okay, when we return, we'll try to get the show back on schedule here and also continue to talk about who needs, right now in your opinion, which team in college football needs the biggest win here on Saturday. We'll continue to discuss that when we do return, and who the hell knows what other geography lessons we'll learn right here. Hick at Night with you on CBS Sports Radio. This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. I'll be honest. I'm still trying to process what we just had. Dan in Michigan, I have been working at CBS Sports Radio in any capacity since 2016. So I've been here a good amount of time. Been working as a producer, I think it was like about a year-ish um, when I first started working here that I started working actually on shows. So let's just say 2017. So that's seven years from 2017 to now here in 2023. That was one of the most bizarre calls I've ever heard, either as a host on air, producing any shows. We went deep. We went deep into conspiracy theories. We just redesigned North America. In the United States, we have now reshaped geography and we have raised in the span of five minutes the Mason-Dixon line all the way up basically now to where if you are anywhere basically south of Maine, you're now in the deep south. Holy cow. Will2dmax does tweet at Ryan underscore Hickey, the number three. That's some of the funniest bleep I've ever heard in my life. Deep South refs, haha! Ha, I need another beer. I need like five. I wish I could drink and talk with you guys on the air. After that, five brewskis would maybe help make some sense of what we were listening to. Holy cow. You know what? Let's just keep the conspiracy theories running here. Tom's in Alabama talking about some Deep South refs. Hello, Tom. Hey, how are you? Good, good buddy. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm from one of those Deep South uh, cities in Alabama, northern Alabama. In uh, uh, the South, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we did lose the war a long time ago. <laughs> a, a long time ago, uh, to say the least there, Tom. I'm going to go out on a limb here. No one listening tonight uh, has been alive uh, near the war, let's just say. No, no, not at all. And uh, unfortunately, that's, I mean, you know, whatever. It, it, it was a long time ago, but... I did a little research, and, and uh, I did find out that the referees for the, the Peach Bowl game. Oh, here we go. Which is the game he's referring to. Come on, Tom. Give it to me. They were from the Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know what, Tom, plays into Dan's argument because, if you recall now, with the Pac-12 blowing up, right, you have Cal and Stanford going to the ACC and so now they're technically part of the Deep South, even though yeah, part of the Deep South. That yeah. game was played before they left the conference, 
It all makes it, they knew the referees must have known this was coming. Yeah, yeah, they must have. That's all I can figure. It's just, it's all a big conspiracy. Tom, that is the research we need on the show. Thank you. That was that was tremendous. Thank you for that. Have a good one. You too, buddy. Look at that. So it all makes sense. It's all connected. Pac-12 refs, Cal and Stanford in the Pac-12, leaving to go to the ACC, joining the Deep South, and now the referees kind of had some inside knowledge, right? Maybe they were already given a heads up, hey, this is, you know, decombustion is coming here soon for the Pac-12. And guess what? Two, just two of the schools. Actually, I should I lied about that because you have four schools, right, in, in Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State going to the Big 12, which is also now, I guess, part of the Deep South. So really, half the conference is in the Deep South, which drives home the point even more. Wow, I underestimated it. That makes all the... You know what? If you're a Ohio State fan, then you protest. That game is under protest, and Georgia's second straight national championship right now should have an asterisk next to it, to say the least. Chad is calling from New Mexico. What's up, Chad? How's it going, Mr. Hickey? How are you tonight? Doing, We're doing well, man. How, how, how are you doing, Chad? You know, I have a question for you. Do we know who's going to ref the Penn State-Iowa game? Because I'm kind of worried now that Pennsylvania is in the deep south. True. Well, that would, you know what? Good point. As a Penn State fan, I hope that they technically are in the deep south because that would bode <laughs> well for me and my Nittany Lions. I got to look it up and see if we can find, uh, find who's refereeing this game and where they're coming from. So I I was born in Iowa, so you can take oh. the Hawkeye boy. You can take the boy out of the Hawkeye state, but you'll never take the Hawkeye out of the boy. So I'm I'm rooting for the Hawkeyes. I think they're going to give them a good defensive, tough guy, grind out type of game. I'm afraid that Penn State just has too many weapons, but I'm I'm on the praying side that I think maybe Iowa could pull off this upset. Chad, let me tell you. Deion Sanders says it's personal, right? It's personal. Right. For me, right. this game, it's personal. You know what? Uh, Some people never forget, Chad. Two years ago, that's right. We were going back in the archives two years ago when Iowa beat Penn State after Penn State blew an early 17-3 lead. And you yeah, had Kirk Ferentz after the game multiple times that week accused Penn State players of faking injuries, even though Penn State's quarterback got hurt in our turn of the game. Their defensive you captain know, I, got hurt, did our turn of the game. I might be biased, but I think he had a point. It kind of oh looked my. like it was. <laughs> there are five players like that it. did not return to the game. They, they were falling down in the end oh. zone. Oh, my gosh. You they, know what, Chad? No, I'm I, glad you're adding fuel to the fire. I <laughs> hope with this game, Penn State drops 100. I oh, hope yeah. they beat not Iowa so bad, Kirk Ferentz retires. Yeah, I hope never... tonight in the whiteout environment, Chad, I am standing up now. I'm so fired up that yeah. Kirk oh. Ferentz in the postgame press conference announces his retirement. That's because how bad of a beatdown. Twice in three years. Right. That's how bad of a beatdown I hope this is. There is not, <laughs> I, I lied. I said 100. I hope they drop 100. I lied. There is not a number they could score tonight, and that would make it justified. That would make me happy. Let's go, Herky Hawkeyes. <laughs> I appreciate the call, Chad. This is—I'm not kidding. This is personal. I am fired up. I would—I'm actually—I'll no, say it. I would fight Kirk Ferentz right now. I am so jacked up. It is three thirty-seven in the morning. I don't care. I would run right now to State College, which is—I mean, 
from New York City, a four-hour drive. I can't imagine how long of a run it might be. Maybe I'll get there before kickoff at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I would square up a Kirk Ferentz right now. I am ready to go. If Penn State needs a gunner on the punt team to run down the field and lay the wood, I am ready. I got one play left in me. Then after that, it's forget it. But one, one good play left. I still got a coach. Put me in. I'm ready to send a statement. Why not throw environment if you're a non-Penn State fan? Unbiased. I know you got a lot of good games. Notre Dame, Ohio State, going to take a lot of the attention away, rightfully so. Commercial break, halftime. Flip on CBS. Check out the wideout environment. Best environment in college football. Unbiased opinion, of course. Okay. One return here. Hick at night with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Three at three time. I just was ready to go to war with Kirk Ferentz. I am ready to go to war with AI. AI... And me, if I could fight it, I would because we are doomed. I am telling you right now, we just had some conspiracy theories about Deep South refs. This is not a conspiracy theory with AI. We are doomed. And actually, how I figured or why I believe that has to do with sports and Iowa specifically with what I saw this week on social media. We'll play it all for you next. Play a little game of real or fake when we do return. Hick and I with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. This is Hick at Night. Here's your host, Ryan Hickey. The man who is obsessed with the number three. Three is a magic number. Uh, Trace, Ryan Hickey. He like that's his self-given nickname. T-R-E-S is in three in Spanish. Gives you three thoughts, three opinions, three observations at 3 a.m. That's a magic number. Let's go inside the brain of Ryan Hickey at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. And see what's going on in there. It's time for three at three. I am ready to rage war. Rage war on AI. It's the worst. And I hate to say it. I hate to be Mr. Doomsday here. It's the demise of our society. I want to show you an example of this in sports, in sports. Because if you can make something look so real that is fake and fool so many people, I am afraid then what, you know, AI could do now moving forward. So this week, there was a viral clip of Brian Ferentz. If you don't know, Brian Ferentz right now is the offensive coordinator for Iowa, the Iowa Hawkeyes. He is the son of the head coach, Kirk Ferentz. There was a uh, video clip of Brian Ferentz from a press conference this week that went viral of him talking to the media. I'll play what he said here in a second. One problem. It was fake. The entire thing was fake. It was AI-generated image, so the video looked real. It, It was exactly a replica of what Brian Ferentz looks like. It was a exact replica of what Brian Ferentz sounds like. A lot of people, when it first went viral, thought it was real. Hell, I thought it was real for three days. Marco Belletti doing our updates had to tell me on like Thursday, it's fake. I thought I saw that on Monday. And it looks real. And I know, obviously, we are in an audio medium, right? You, I can't visually show you what it looks like, but. I'm going to play it for you. So, Nico's doing a great job producing the show. You have not heard, right, or seen this Brian Ferentz video. 
no idea until you told me. Perfect. Okay. So what we're going to do is this. I have two Brian Ferentz clips here. Uh, number one and number two. One of them is actually Brian Ferentz talking to the media in a press conference. The other is this AI-generated fake Brian Ferentz clip that is digitally and visually enhanced. Well, I want to see if you know and can tell which one's real, which one's fake. Okay. So Brian Ferentz clip number one, please play for the audience so we can kind of play this game as well together. Uh, right now, I've been pleased with what we've seen, um, but it's a process, and, and you're trying to, you know, feel your way through that. Okay, so that is clip number one. Clip number two, please. You all have had fun with this 25-point obsession, and I get it. I do. But if I'm not mistaken, we just dropped 41 on Saturday. So maybe it's time to grab a hold of your little step ladders and go ahead and climb out of my ass for a while. If you want to really fast here, can you play number one, Nico, one more time, just in case you're on the fence, what's real, what's fake, get one more listen. This is Brian Ferentz again, clip number one. Uh, right now, I've been pleased with what we've seen, um, but it's a process, and, and you're trying to, you know, feel your way through that. Okay, and then clip number two, please. You all have had fun with this 25-point obsession, and I get it. I do. But if I'm not mistaken, we just dropped 41 on Saturday, so... Maybe it's time to grab a hold of your little step ladders and go ahead and climb out of my ass for a while. Okay, Nico. So I ask you two clips there. One is real. One is AI generated. Do you know which one is real? Well, they sound exactly the same, which is really scary. Which is a massive problem. I just think that the first one sounds like something that a coach would say. So I'm going to say that the second one is fake. And you're going to go, the second one is fake more because of what he said than how he, like, how he sounded. Right, yeah. If you're basing it on the sound of the voice, I would, it, it, I'm guessing out of literally just nothing. You are correct. Brian Ferentz, clip number one, about talking about the offensive line or whatever, is the real Brian Ferentz, the actual coach speaking to the media. Clip number two, about getting a step ladder, climbing out of my ass, was, a, was completely AI-generated. Obviously, um, audio-wise, it sounds exactly like. It's hard to tell the difference. If you're on social media, just even look up on your phone. Type in Brian Ferentz video. You will find it immediately when everywhere. If you watch the video, it looks real. AI, it is freaky, scary how you can make something look so real and have it be so believable that, like, I don't know, like, where the end is and if this is where if we can make fake press conference clips of a coach talking about climbing out of my ass and leave me alone because of this you know stipulation of my contract where I have to score 25 points per game or else I'm fired at the end of the year which is real by the way not AI generated that's real we're screwed we are truly screwed holy cow that is scary that is scary all right really fast here it went viral um, and was a big deal today. So Miguel Cabrera, right? Tremendous career. He's retiring at the end of the season. It's been custom now that every stadium he goes to for the last time, he has been given a gift. The Oakland A's decided to give Miguel Cabrera a gift of a $90 bottle of wine. Two problems. Number one, you're a baseball team. We really can't splurge. We got to go the $90 bottle of wine. We can't get something from the top shelf. Number two, Miguel Cabrera is a recovering alcoholic. 
What, Nico, what do we, I mean, I don't know, I'm not upset. You know what, I'm not shocked, because the Oakland A's, and this is what they do. Well, that's what I was going to say. This is literally typical Oakland athletics, right? Because for me, you want to give someone a nice bottle of wine, that's fine, but $90, you couldn't at least get them a nice expensive one. Also, is getting a gift necessary? I think it's a nice gesture. Every team usually does it, right? But it's like, what are you thanking them for? Thank you for kicking our ass for the last 21 years, Miggy? Like, here's some wine? I mean, maybe it's like a, a send-off because they're excited that he's retiring because now they don't have to worry about him kicking their butts. I think the the whole gift-giving as you are on your way out is ridiculous, frankly. Now, with that said, if you're going to do it, at least do it right or do it well and not do it the way the Oakland A's did it. I'll, okay. Can I say one more thing? Sure, really fast. In here. their defense, I didn't know about the Miggy alcoholic thing until this happened, so I guess you can't blame the A's for that. A little research wouldn't kill you. That's for sure. All right. Hey, Ken, I with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. When we do return in the NFL, who has been the biggest disappointment for the first two weeks? I got my answer. I'll tell you next. It's Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio. 